It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down American loser the day I was born Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of American Loser. It is the podcast that puts the spotlight firmly on second place. Uh, we are here as always. At a shared universe studio in Eatontown, New Jersey, Mike and Ming, you guys take great care of us, even though we were an hour late today. <laughs> well, well, not all of us. It was, it, was, it was weird. It was interesting. So our guest is a returning guest, one of my best friends, uh, a proud graduate of the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Uh, <laughs> also a handsome Dilf of a dad. Yeah. Uh, he, my Dilf of a dad is not here this week. Um, so Larry's down in bourbon country, down in Kentucky with my mother. They took the RV down there. And uh, instead, we have another Dilf of a dad. Uh, Tristan Ryan Vidro, welcome back to the show, bud. Oh, thank you very much, Kevin. Thank you. At least this time I didn't have to beg. Also true. Also, well, you know what it was? It, I keep telling you, if you if you didn't beg, then we would have put you on right away. But now it's like, I just want to see how far we can push this. You begged the first time? I was upset that I wasn't one of the first few guests, yes. <laughs> he knew he was going to be. Well, I, here's the thing. The guests we bring in, it's usually, uh, the, the, the guests that it works best with are family members that I've known forever. And then I got a certain group of friends that are like family to me. So it just kind of works the same way. But worked out great. You were on for what I think is our, our best episode, uh, Mr. Dan Sickles. So if you have not heard that episode, please go check out Dan Sickles. It's going to change your life. That was a damn good one. And, uh, of course, behind the ones and twos, uh, what other person could possibly be our sound engineer? Hello, the- it's Ming Chen. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Zapzak. Uh, well, uh, Ming sent me uh, a text today making sure we were okay because uh, traffic was brutal on the parkway. Uh, I woke up this morning. I checked it. It says it's going to take me an hour and five minutes to get here. I said, all right, cool. Start moving on. Uh, by the end of the time, you know, the little kerfuffle on the highway, if you will, <laughs> I think it was about an hour 40 for me to get here today. Damn. So now about halfway down, I call up the Kahuna to apologize. And I was like, Kahuna, dude, I'm so sorry I'm going to be late. And he goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then even worse, even worse, Kahuna's not even in remotely any sort of a, a bad standing right now, too, because then I call my sister calls me as we're, we're getting ready to start recording. She goes, I just woke up. Um... <laughs> I can be there in like a half hour. So eventually my sister's going to walk in in the middle of the episode, <laughs> which is great when you're telling an in-depth story of someone's life. You want to start over from you the can absolute... Give, <laughs> we can give her the cliff notes. Don't even worry about it. Well, that's what I'm going to ask you guys to do. We're going to use a couple of cliff notes here because we've got some good stuff today. I'm excited to talk about this one guy. I know T, you did some research. Um, and Kahuna, like we talked about, we're going to ruin breakfast for you. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. Uh, now, I'm not a fan, especially you know if you don't know it, I, I, I do stand up. Um, you do? Yeah, I'm pretty good at it. it uh, I'm, I'm what you would refer to as a, uh, a a middle, so I get to be the feature act, so, ah. which means I'm funny, but I don't sell tickets. Okay. Is that like the middle guy between a gay three-way? Uh, it's close. It's me. You're directing traffic for sure. <laughs> you know? <laughs> It's uh, the the check spot is always the tough spot in a comedy <laughs> club. So, but uh, I'm not a fan of this uh, the kind of the search for outrage type culture because you'll see ridiculous things. There was like, there was this awful video I saw not too long ago, and it was we're sitting around drinking a couple of beers right now, right? Because uh, that's the good part is that the podcast started so late. We're actually not alcoholics now. We're just you're allowed <laughs> to drink after one. So. <laughs> Tristan's enjoying a red stripe. I'm having a nice cane head high brewed right here in New Jersey, Ocean, New Jersey, in fact. And they have this delicious India Pale Ale. Do you know how IPAs got their name, Kahuna? I do not. All right, so 
the British soldiers who were occupying or colonizing, if you want to use that term, because people use that term like like it's a pejorative, you know. Um, when they were over there in India and they were colonizing India, the beer was being sent over to them so that they can enjoy because they're a big pub culture in England, which I love. I love that about them. But their thing was in order to get their beer sent over, sometimes the beer would spoil. So what they would do to preserve it is that they would make the alcohol content higher so that because the alcohol is not going to rot. You know what I mean? So yeah. they were putting more. And then what they said is when you get over there, uh, add a little bit of water to these casks of beer. And then they just didn't do it. And they're just like, man, we're getting hammered on half the beer. <laughs> So you have a higher alcohol content. But okay. I saw this. I saw this dumb article, and it really annoyed me. It was uh, uh, the racist the KP history. Toy schedule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the racist history of India pale ales, and they were trying to make it like it's like an evil thing, and it's colonization and all this other stuff and imperialism. It's like, come on, man! It's just it's a good beer. Can we just enjoy that? You don't have to search for outrage. Is that fair to say, T? Uh, I, I think it's fair to say that it's not a good beer, but um, you know. Uh, I forgot. I, I agree. I agree with you everything else. <laughs> Tristan drinks Yingling, and that's it. So, uh, out of Pottsville, Pennsylvania, home of the Molly Maguires, if you're a regular listener. So, no, no. Now that being said, here uh, I am not a fan of the whole outrage culture thing. There's, um, there's this leg- there is legitimate evil in the world. Okay, but people have this need to either justify or ignore it due to like a, a my team versus your team mentality, which kind of annoys me. Yeah, like the people who want to ruin your breakfast, and some people who don't want to. Now we your are going to ruin breakfast today, buddy. All right, because you want to look for something like, oh, that's a, the evil behind that. You don't even know you're part of the evil here. Well, we got some shit for you today. Oh man! All right, here's the crazy ass story. Is going to take something innocuous as a bowl of breakfast cereal. And absolutely ruin it for you for the rest of your life. That being said, welcome to this week's American Loser, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg. You guys ready to do this? No. Absolutely. Kahuna's upset. He's sitting there. He's like, oh, what, what pantries do I have to empty after this episode? I gotta get episode? rid of my Frosted Flakes. <laughs> Freaking everything. is Fruity Pebbles fucking... Yep. It's bad stuff, man. Aw, oh, man. I now, gotta... uh... In order to start here, you have to kind of give the, um... We, we like to go into the zeitgeist or the spirit of the times for the, the, the loser to try to... Because you look at it with uh, a modern sensibility when you look back on some of this stuff and you're like, these people are crazy. But if you sit there and you just accept it, well, they didn't know as much as we know right now or times were different back then. We think we're better than the past all the time. We're really not. We're all we just have same. social media. That's yeah, about it. Exactly. We got, you know, we got to see Star Wars. That's the only thing we really have on the Founding Fathers. Yeah, but. basically. <laughs> None of this moon landing bullshit. Also true. <laughs> now, uh, there's a religious group that is uh, still very popular today called the Seventh-day Adventists. Okay? They believe in 28 core principles, among them being that uh, there is no hell. Not a bad deal, right, Tristan? Oh, cool. You know, yeah. Considering my seed's already saved, but yeah. Yeah, no, there's no hell. You don't, you don't have no, – you're good. I, I always wondered this, too. Why – you always hear about, like, uh, um, Roman emperors or people uh, in Europe that would uh, – they would uh, atone for their sins on their deathbed. Or they would convert to Christianity on their deathbed. You ever hear that, Kahuna? Yeah. I know what I'm going to do. I'm con- I'm going to convert to Judaism on my deathbed. All right. In my final dying moments, I want a rabbi around welcoming. I want to have my bar mitzvah on my deathbed. <laughs> I want them to welcome me into the tribe because the Jews do not believe in hell, and that means I get a clean slate, baby. All right? <laughs> Can't go to hell if you're Jewish. So. Oh no. Anyway, oh, oh god. Among these other principles that the uh, Seventh Day Adventists uh, believe, and we're not going to rip on them here today. We're really not. So if you're a Seventh Day Adventist and you're listening, you know we just we're, we're trying to, we're trying to understand what you guys do. They right? also believe that frosted flakes are more than good. They're great. Oh, there's other things they believe are great. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's a. Uh, Keep your jaw uh, – put a pillow down on the table because when your jaw hits that floor later, it's going to get rough. Um, they believe that the humans are fallen angels 
and their Sabbath is on a Saturday, which is smart because that way church doesn't interfere with football. <laughs> well, college football. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They weren't big on college. so and it, and <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, this particular group is out in Michigan, too. So they some years they have a good team, some years they don't. Jim Harbaugh, he is what it is. Those but, damn Buckeyes. So, uh, and they also believe that uh, Christ is coming back, okay, and that it's imminent. Now, one prominent preacher declared that Christ would return on, get this, October 22nd, 1844. He called his shot, okay, said Christ is coming back on October 22nd, 1844. This would go on to be known as the Great Disappointment. <laughs> okay? That's not something I made up. This is not a clever tongue-in-cheek moment here. That's literally what they refer to it as. The Great Disappointment. The Great Disappointment. So things didn't quite go how they planned. Oh, uh, so it was a KP. It was a KP Bergtor freaking article. Ooh, trying to shoot. You, you know what it is? You're trying to get your shots in right now because you know that my muscle, my sister's coming in here and she's going to bully you into a corner. Like I know. <laughs> she's going to bully me over the cable management and then I'm just going to go cry and it's going to be a real fun time. Also true. That's why uh, <laughs> I dream of a world where my sister wasn't gay and then I could set the two of you up. You know? <laughs> I dream of it. Oh but my God! Make anyway, beautiful children. No, we're teasing because uh, uh, her fiance Crystal's hilarious. We love her, man. She's a good person. Um, but uh, some members of the church argued that even though October twenty second, the Great Disappointment, uh, that date was actually correct, but it didn't mean that Jesus was coming to Earth. It meant that he had begun his final phase in the sanctuary of heaven, and his return to Earth was imminent. So, you know when you're wrong and you backpedal a little bit? I was just about to say, like, oh, okay, we fucked up, but here's what's actually happening. Yeah. So, uh, in theory. <laughs> well, you know, if you look at it this way. That, that's always how they do Well, because uh, there's always justifications to it. We'd be like, oh, the, like, I'm a huge New York Giants fan. Everybody knows that. Football's coming back, sort of. And um, they'll always sit there. And the Giants fans make me laugh because they'll be like, we're one of the worst teams in the NFL right now. We just are. We're, we're not a great team. Okay. Uh, but they'll sit there and they'll find, did you know we actually scored the most points in the NFC East? It's like, yeah, but we, we lost more games than we won. They're like, yeah, but most points, right? That's like, you know, it's pretty cool. Well, Giants fans are more like, you know, most points in the fourth quarter, you know, down by five, you know, with two touchdowns left. It is incredible. And uh, that's the part that hurts here. But back on to uh, today's loser here. I don't want to get to because the, the Giants make me angry sometimes. <laughs> Um, now, some members of the church, like I said, they argue uh, that the, you know, it's actually going to happen here, uh, and Christ is coming back, and uh, this sect, if you will, uh, done by the, uh, it's the, the prominent white family, okay? No pun in there, you know, no jokes. The white family, the whites are the ones who start this seven-day Adventist kind of sect of the religion. Okay? You don't say. Now, uh, Ellen White, okay, who's a, a very, she's actually, um, she's the person that kind of has all these visions in her, her dream, almost like Edgar Casey, the Sleeping Prophet episode we did. So she's got all these things, God speaking to her through dreams and all this other stuff. She, so the doctrine of the church really comes from her. So she's, uh, you know, which is crazy to think about. This is the 18, uh, mid-1800s, and a woman is considered to be like the head of a church in a lot of ways. Now she is married to her husband, who's a very prominent businessman in the community and all that other stuff, but this is the world and the times of today's loser, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg. So, Kellogg was born shortly after the Great Disappointment, February 26, 1852, in Tyrone, Michigan. Kellogg's father had, get this, T. All right, T, <laughs> I've known you forever. I've known you since you were, what, I, I, was, I was in like eighth grade when I met you. I was either 18 or 19. I was either 18 or 19 years old. Right, so yeah, it was very, yeah. I've known you forever, man. Sure, now, you yeah. got, you got... Out of nowhere, we blinked, and all of a sudden, you got two kids. <laughs> all right? It's wild, man. But now imagine this one. You have all the chaos of that because we were talking about you got the animals, the pets, and everything. You got your wife, all that stuff. Um, imagine the chaos. Kellogg's father had six children with his first wife. 
okay? Six children, and after her passing, married a second time. This wife would give birth to an additional 11 children. The, what? Yeah. One of the 11 with the second wife was Dr. John Harvey Kellogg. Okay, imagine that household. 17 kids running around. <laughs> I don't have to imagine there was a TV show on TLC about this bullshit. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, it's interesting because it, it's almost like uh, people, um, they tend to correct their parents. Uh, like whatever their parents believe, then they kind of go the opposite way sometimes. It's, it's a weird thing where your parents are going to work so hard so that you can have the life that you want and then you don't work very hard in your life and then your kids work really hard to give themselves the life they want. <laughs> it's like a weird vicious cycle. But. Well, you got to remember back then though, they, they pumped kids out left and right because you didn't know how many were going to make it. There is a higher mortality rate back then for sure. And uh, but th these are interesting people. They're involved with the religion too, and then the whole religion thing is that no condoms. All right, so imagine how many more kids we'd all have if there weren't condoms. You know, it's uh, there's a they're kind of like dream catchers if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> dream savers for some people. So uh, John's father would relocate the family to Battle Creek, Michigan. Tristan Vedrero, do you know a certain <laughs> famous professional wrestler that might be from Battle Creek, Michigan? In the one, Rob Van Dam. The whole effing show, as they <laughs> refer to him. So, um, But uh, yeah, so out in Battle Creek, Michigan, there's this huge Seventh-day Adventist community, and they all wanted to live amongst each other to kind of – because it's a, it's a homogenous religious group in that regard. Okay. So now here's where it gets funny. That's in 1856. In order to be closer to the Seventh-day Adventists, they move out there. And his father, uh, the Father Kellogg, if you will, uh, establishes a broom factory. So since John Preston Kellogg, the father, believed that the return of Christ was imminent, he didn't feel like wasting his kids' time with traditional schooling. He goes, ah, guys, God's coming back any day now. All right? You don't have to go to school. Don't worry about truant officers. Don't worry about getting it. God's coming. We're all going to be up in heaven before you know it, all right? So don't waste any of your time here getting involved with earthly you know, nonsense. I mean, couldn't he have gotten away with it, too? Like, isn't it like, oh, it's a, it's a religious thing where it's like, oh. It is funny that way because uh, th th we do grant a lot of freedom that way. And also, uh, religious schools are amongst the top schools in the entire – well, uh, globally, they're phenomenal through the roof for the most part. And then also in America, uh, religious education usually is a pretty solid education. So they go faith-based, but they do teach the shit out of you on some stuff. Also in religion, they can wrap your uh, knuckles with a ruler. Yeah. So there's that. Didn't you go to Catholic school at one point? No. No? no, no never? No, okay. No, That's, uh, no. I'm trying to figure out. I got thrown out of CCD. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> has to happen, though, man. Right. Oddly enough, my mom did, too. She hated going to Catholic school as a kid to the point that one of the nuns used to actually, like, pick on my mom. So one one day my mom pulled a prank on the nun, and the nun called my grandma and was like, your daughter needs to leave right now and not come back. <laughs> See, it's weird because you guys are both successful, good people now you know, <laughs> with these dark pasts. But... Um, now, in the, uh, the prominent family here, they're very interesting. The, the, this, this Kellogg family, they're doing pretty good for themselves. They're well-known that broom factory. All the kids are working in the broom factory. Um, now, Kellogg, John Harvey, the guy we're talking about today, Dr. Kellogg, was only in school from ages 9 to 11. However, they revealed that he was a uh, very bright child. He educated himself via pretty solid reading addiction, that he was always reading, they said. He figured out a lot of cool stuff. Now, the most prominent family in the community, like we said, were the Whites. All right. Now, the Whites owned a publishing company, and uh, due to the intelligence that they saw in John Harvey Kellogg, he was taken on as a – get this job. This is a cool job title. Like, 
I see it all the time. People put uh, on their Facebook where they say a comedian at uh, comedy, you know, or, <laughs> or Kahuna, you'd be sound engineer or or filmmaker, yeah, or Tristan would be like drug dealer. <laughs> so, hey man, he's got to put food on the table for yeah, the kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to feed them kids somehow. <laughs> Uh, I like how you regretted it midway through saying it. You were like, you got to put food on the table. I, I was sitting there, and I was like, is his wife listening to this? <laughs> unfortunately, this will be the second episode of your Statue Action. <laughs> Get it together, Jacqueline. Also, our boy John Harvey, one of the best mustaches I've ever seen. Oh, it's dude, a pretty good one. He's got the reverse triangle beard. It is awesome. It's, it's amazing. It is. I'm, I'm jealous. The, now, the more we read about him later, I do have a theory that his facial hair is the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> <laughs> you could lose things in there. But now get a load of this job. This would be a cool job to have if you had your Facebook up and you said that you were a printer's devil. What? Printer's devil. So the old school newspaper business, they would have to like you'd have all these uh, all the ink that you'd have to put on the machine because you have to put the type on perfectly. Then you have to press the paper. All it was. It's really cool. I love that stuff. So my sister just texted me. She's going to be here in five minutes. We said the word devil and she pops up right. <laughs> <away>. <laughs> so, Oh, but, no, uh, I'm getting beat up. No, it's all good. Um, so the printer's devil would be the person, to, uh, a boy usually, uh, who would be mixing up the ink and all that other stuff so that the person who was setting the type uh, could focus on what they were doing. And then you'd, it, it's kind of a cool – it's a very dirty job, okay? But he worked his way up from errand boy all the way up to printer's devil. And by the end of his time over there, he was actually working as a, an editor doing like some uh, revision work and stuff like that for them. So pretty cool. He's a smart kid. But um, Kellogg becomes extremely close with the White family often seemingly on an even playing field with the White's own children. He even began assisting Ellen White, who, again, is the person who is kind of calling the shots on this whole religion, okay? Almost like <laughs> when we started late, Tristan goes, he goes, well, you're going to have to talk to the boss about this one. And I was like, mm -hmm. I was like Ming? Ming Chen? And he goes, he goes, no, well, Jacqueline. So J Jacqueline's the head of the Vidrero family religion here. <laughs> um, but he begins assisting Ellen White with her health book. She's writing all these crazy health books and articles, and he also took on a vegetarian diet per her articles here, and a reinforcement of the Seventh-day Adventists. So they're real big on this whole vegetarian thing. They're not saying meat is evil. They're not going full vegan. They're eating, like, nuts and uh, cheese and stuff, but they want to stay away from meat. Now, the reasons why, we find out a little bit later. I'm going to call them goofy. Is that fair to say, T? Yeah, absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> I mean... That says it right there. I mean, you can put them together in the future... With um, an, a certain incident that happened in the '90s, uh, you know, down in uh, Texas, you know, that's the same religion uh -oh. that's stemming, you know, from this. Are we talking about Waco? Absolutely. David what? Koresh, David Koresh was a, was a, uh, the uh, what are they, the Davidians? The branch are, are Davidians, a branch correct. Of uh, the Seventh Day Adventists, they they branched off from 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 this religion that we're talking to about now. Now, the craziest part of all this is that they're also a um, an offshoot of the Anabaptists. So, I would never recommend another podcast to listen to here, guys. But there is a uh, a show that I truly love, uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, and uh, he did an episode on the Baptists versus the Anabaptists. And it was one of the most brutal episodes I've ever heard. And it was almost like a Branch Davidian that took place in Germany. So it was pretty wild stuff. But anyway, that tends to happen with this. Religion's a great idea until it gets put into the hands of bad people. So uh, now Kellogg had hoped to become a teacher. That's what he wanted to do. Okay, he wanted, to, And for a little bit of a short time, he was working as one. Now, the White family suggested that Kellogg would attend these medical schools because he's a smart kid, remember? And they were going to cover the cost of the school in return for sponsorship – Kellogg would then return to Battle Creek and be part of a coalition of Seventh-day Adventist doctors to help serve the community. They wanted to expand their religious stronghold in Michigan. So 
Kellogg's time as a student took him all over the place. He studied in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, the Bellevue Hospital in New York City. Very, very famous building. And then even spent time in, uh, you want to take a guess, about a certain state? He spent, he was our Jersey tie-in. That's right. Yep, spent a little bit of time in New Jersey. It, Did you have another Jersey tie-in too? It, well, it's, it was called, where he was, it's called the Russell Thralls Hygiotherapeutic College in Florence, New Jersey. That's where he attended. That sounds cool. I wonder, uh, now, uh, the Burke family has such a strong tie in uh, uh, higher education in New Jersey that uh, there probably was a fraternity that one of my uncles was a member of at that school. So uh, I'm excited real quick. I want to welcome into the show. Uh, What'd she do? Uh, Carrie's showing up fucking shit up already. So. <laughs> That's my, my job. My sister Carrie Burke is back here. She, uh, I apologize hey. for the, the little sound interference on that one. So Carrie made it. Um, Carrie, long night, right? Long night working as a longshoreman. Oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Staying awake watching the dogs. Uh, quick question for you, Carrie. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, nothing. Nothing. Okay. Yeah. Now, what kind of cereal do you like? Uh, Fruit Loops, Lucky Charms. Now, do you know who makes those cereals? Uh, what is that? Kellogg? No. no. I believe those, those are th- Post Mills. Uh, I, I think G- General, General Mills. Mills. Yeah. General, General Mills. Mills. All right, you're going to see where we're going here. So uh, our boy, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg, uh, that we've been talking about, you knew the topic ahead of time, so I'm not surprising you here. Kellogg, um, weird religion affiliate. Yeah. We're, we're going to go with starting with that. We're Saw getting knee deep. Shit. Yeah, we're getting knee deep into his medical school background now. So by 1875, Kellogg had graduated with his full degree and returned to take over control of the Western Health Reform Institute. Kind of a shitty name, no? So, yeah. Kellogg would later change the name of the institute to, get this, this is a cool name. You know the name, T? You want to say it? I, I don't know the whole name, but I know the last word because it made me think of Scarface the minute I heard it. One, one, of, my, one, of, my favorite, um, one of my favorite scenes in that movie is <laughs> the sanitarium. I told you to tell them you worked in sanitation, not the sanitarium. <laughs> Well, I always think of Metallica, too. <laughs> sanitarium. Uh, but anyway, so the Western Health Reform Institute, Kellogg changes the name of the institute very cleverly, might I add, because now he's changing that. It's not the Health Reform Institute. Now it's the Battle Creek Sanitarium. <laughs> so this sanitarium is a part spa retreat, part diet clinic, part gym, part rehab, part insane asylum. So a little bit of everything. Something for everyone. So it's right? Atlantic City? Uh, not too far off. <laughs> I was going to say, it's the first celebrity rehab center. Uh, ver- there is definitely a vibe to that. Wait till you hear some of the names of the people who were yeah. regular visitors of this uh, Regular visitors. Yeah, yeah. Well, the way that we found out about that, because he has some famous visitors throughout the years, um, the way that I found out about the Battle Creek uh, Sanitarium, I thought this was so interesting. One of my favorite episodes is Warren G. Harding that we did, who's the worst president ever. Okay. Okay. Um, now, what it makes me laugh about that is that uh, Warren G. Harding, three times in his life, was committed to the Battle Creek Sanitarium. Could you imagine if someone was running for president right now and then we found out three different times in their life they were admitted to a mental health institute? (laughs) We'd sit there and we'd say, I don't know if we want you having the button. Well, hasn't Donald Trump been to one? I was just going to say. (laughs) I don't know why you're bringing that up, Care. We would have found out by now if he was in one. That's true. You know? Think about that. What are some other famous people and, that and came you know, to You know this? who the big knock was, too? Not for nothing, because I, I get that Trump's a very funny target with that stuff. But the big knock on that was uh, that Hillary's health got called into question on the last election, too, right? So there was a little bit of shades of that. Yeah, I think so. Well, who so. is it? Ro- Rockefeller. Rockefeller was one, right? Uh... Rockefeller was interesting. I found out another weird loophole I went down is that uh, oh God, Rockefeller was funding some stuff, uh, some research uh, for the eugenics program that uh, Kellogg later on got involved in that uh, – he was also funding stuff over in Germany that a certain Dr. Josef Mengele 
was involved in. Oh. So the Rockefellers accidentally funded part of Nazi research. Oh, who else? Okay. There's, um, Whoopsie. Tar- Tarzan, the original Tarzan. He was on there as well. I got the full list right here. Right? You're going to know some of the names here, Carrie. So future wow. president, Warren G. Harding. First lady, Mary Todd Lincoln. James Cash Penny. You want to guess who that is, Carrie? The inventor of the penny? I don't know. Close. <laughs> Close. The founder of J.C. Penny. Oh. James Cash Penny. Okay. okay. Then, uh, Henry Ford of Ford Motor Company, which uh, Tristan decided to uh, go against and get a Dodge Ram instead. Yeah. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, Sojourner Truth, who's a very famous writer and former slave, her story's fascinating. I want to do an episode on her later. Um, and then, Did you just call a slave a loser? Uh, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> when you hear her whole story, the fact that she's not she should be one of the most famous people in American history with how cool her backstory is. So the fact that she got lost in the annals of history, if you will. Would it make a great annals, ta- not annals. Would it make a great Tarantino movie? Um, it, it might. I mean, I don't know. It could, it, does Tarantino make good Tarantino movies anymore? I don't even know. Uh, yes. Django counts. Only if you want to screw with history, though. Mm. Yeah, uh, also a good point, Carrie. Yeah, very, good, very good point. Yeah. Uh, Tarantino makes two-thirds of an amazing movie every time he does. <laughs> so. Well, actually, oh, no. I, actually um, history is like a Tarantino movie because you know what the outcome was in the beginning, but you know you just got to get there you know, as the movie, movie goes through. Ooh, philosophical <laughs> Vedrero over here. <laughs> There's so. another person on this list of residents that it's actually kind of funny because of who we're talking about today. Okay. So we're talking about John Harvey Kellogg of uh, Kellogg Cereal. Eventually, yes. C.W. Post, founder of Post Serial, yes, correct, is was also an attendee yep. here. He was an attendee as well. Get this also now, Johnny Weissmuller, who was an athlete and also the original Tarzan, like Tristan said. And then here's my favorite one, Amelia Earhart. What? Mm. <laughs> Before or after she went missing? That's a. <laughs> that's where she is right now. She's still. In, she's somewhere in Battle Creek, Michigan. You never know. I flew around the world once. Did you know that? Did you know I flew around the world? <laughs> So. She landed in Midway and just went vegan. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, now, the sanitarium is funny because they practice several therapies, including hydrotherapy. Uh, now, Tristan, you're going to love this. Regular enemas. That's <laughs> <laughs> the way to go. Okay. Uh, phototherapy, which was electric light baths. They were one of the first people to use it, which is kind of cool because uh, I found this out. When you get stationed in um, Alaska for the United States military, you are required to have a, uh, a, a kind of go into like a light room. And sit there and get light therapy. Well, it's actually interesting because I told you I was watching, I was listening to an A and E uh, documentary on our, on our man here on the, on the traffic down from. Uh, from uh, That's how bad the North traffic Western was. Tristan watched an A and E documentary. Um, they they had a video of it, and it looks like a modern day uh, suntan, like a, a tanning bed. Yep. <laughs> they, yep. <laughs> Well, it's funny. you got to get the vitamin D in there. So, man. You know, that's his jersey tie and going orange is healthy, you know? <laughs> oh, man. I do imagine that poor Amelia Earhart is just sitting there. She comes out looking like Snooky. All right. Uh, so we understand that 15 minutes is too much. So, the, again, other stuff that they're uh, all about here, too. They helped encourage the vegetarian diet, which was uh, the preferred diet by the religious group that owned the, uh, the institution. So it's the Battle Creek Sanitarium, but it's funded by the elders of the Church of the Seventh-day Adventists, okay? So in a weird way, they're kind of like the Kabbalah of their day. Remember when Madonna reinvented herself and she was all spiritual and shit now? Yeah. You know, she's just doing it for... It's funny, too, because it's like, um, what do you call them, the cicadas? When the cicadas show up in New Jersey and up on the yeah. Northeast, uh, they show up like once every seven years, so you know that the cicadas are coming when Madonna reinvents herself. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, no, But anyway, so uh, Kellogg is advising 
that uh, people, you know, his patients, should have a tobacco-free and alcohol-free lifestyle. What do you got, Tim? I, I, uh, I got the whole list here. Um, oh, hit me. They're, they're vegetarians. They're not allowed to have sex. They're not allowed to drink. They're not allowed to smoke. Um, that he exercise is the big way to go. And um, uh, do you, do you want me to go over what? Wait, you said they weren't allowed to have sex. They're not allowed to have sex. Wait, he never actually had sex with his wife. This dude. Yeah, that's kind of odd because I was reading about the the sanatorium that he ran, and one of the things apparently that they did was they had the way that they approached holistic health and stuff like that were new techniques and shit like that. They promoted sexual activity at the place. So then. Was he? A- it, it's a mixed message that he goes in because I, I know what you're saying because I was confused yeah. by it too. So Kellogg himself, as my sister said, never consummated his own marriage. He was big on and now there's it, there's almost it's funny because all the stuff that he was advising back in the 1800s, almost all of it has either stayed around or had a rebirth recently. <laughs> so, are you familiar with the semen retention movement? <laughs> No, man, I can't that, say that I am. That's these guys that do this thing called uh, no fapping or no nut or whatever, where they don't um, they don't no nut never. Yeah, uh, it's, it's weird, right? So what winds up happening for them, and, and there are benefits to it, from what I've understood. But the whole thing was that he was doing that his entire life. Now that that's a way to kind of go crazy. All right, so we're not saying he never had sex with his wife. We're saying he never con- he never had children of his own. Actually, he has eight children. Get, get this, they were all adopted, and I think most of them were black. Well, so. no, I, I heard it was like 40-something. At the end of the day, they had like 40-something foster kids in the, the house, and then yeah. eight, eight adopted. Yeah, it was insane. He had a, he, it, was, it was a little bit cult-like. That's the problem. They always get a little goofy with this shit here. But I want to keep this on track because his life bounces around like crazy here. So <clears throat> here we go. Um, this is the part we're going to ruin cereal for everybody. Oh, no. So, um, Kellogg advised, like we said, tobacco-free, alcohol-free lifestyle, exercise, like Tristan said, uh, it was also breathing techniques to improve your digestion. A lot of this shit works, by the way. All right, I know some very, very healthy vegan people. I know some very, very healthy, like straight up carnivore people. Okay, so you got to find the thing that works for you. But uh, this particular religion, they're going down this route because they think that's the best move for everyone. His diet, get this, was intentionally bland in order to follow in the teaching of Mrs. Ellen White of the White family, like we talked about, who taught people that a bland diet would be beneficial to minimize excitement, sexual arousal, and prevent masturbation. That's right, guys. Cornflakes were designed, in part, to stop kids from jerking off. So, uh, Kellogg also (laughs) believes, and here's the worst part, if the cereal, they had had steps. They said, we're going to give them cornflakes, okay, which he accidentally invented, by the way. He, He realized that he could get, like, a flaked cereal. So, that's the part where he's a huge, like you said, a footnote in history earlier, T, because... He accidentally invents cornflakes. Okay. And Ac- accidentally? Well, he made it in like a big piece and then um, it, it shattered and then shattered into flakes. And then he realized, oh, we just pour a little milk over this and boom, I'm good to go. So, very bland diet. Now, the steps that they would have here, if you think I'm making any of this up, you can just get this out of one of Kellogg's own books. He printed uh, dozens of books. Um, one of his books was called Plain Facts. All right. So. You know, it's almost like plain facts, fake news. It's almost like one of those things. So this guy's coming out here with plain facts. One of his things in here was um, if you can't get your kid to quit masturbating, um, you should uh, feed him cornflakes. Okay? <laughs> what was that nice family that left us such a great review? Yeah, they're not going to be able to listen to this the one. The Sunquist family? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, they're great people. They're great people. But, but this is true. This is something that is taught in his book. So, And we're not even being vulgar here. We're just reporting we're just, history. We're, yeah. So um, if... 
if the cornflakes aren't going to do it, then you can bind the kid's hands at night and tie him up into his bed so that he can't do anything crazy like that. Then there's the third step. Okay, so the cornflakes don't work. Binding the hands don't work. Dr. Kellogg would recommend circumcision at a later age, at, a, at an adolescent age, with no anesthetic. He, he actually circumcised himself at age 37. What? Yeah, that's my thought. I cried when my kid got circumcised minutes after he was born. I, I can't. I can't even. Yeah. How do you? Age, age thirty-seven. I mean, so just, 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 just grab it and I, 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 at age thirty-seven, <laughs> he took um he took a belt sander. <gasps> okay. <laughs> <laughs> see, I was thinking angle grinder. <laughs> no, see, I always thought Robin Hood men in tights. You know, at the end when he's <laughs> the funniest scene <laughs> when, when Rabbi Tuckman shows up, played by Mel Brooks, one of the funniest movies of all time. Circumcision. The ladies love him. Ooh, I'll take two. Put your thingy in here, and then boo. <laughs> so. No, uh, that was his thing. And the, the key was, so imagine being an adolescent boy, you know, a, a preteen boy. And, uh, yes, you, let me imagine that for a minute. Yeah, no anesthetic. Okay, so no, no, no painkillers, no nothing. You go in there and then the doctor takes mm-hmm. – and, and they, they said they wanted them to feel the pain because the pain would remind them that it was bad behavior. So we talk about genital mutilation <laughs> over in Africa and these, these horrible so people over here. Where's well, child services in all of this? Yeah. Well, it's they weird because it, it, in Africa, Damn. genital mutilation is um, it, it, a terrible tribal warlord thing. Here, genital mutilation got the Kardashians renewed for another season. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, Now, it was not just men, too, by the way. The women would suffer this way. So if a woman had a, 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 a very vibrant sexual uh, – uh, if she was a sexual being, which is what a lot of them refer to themselves as when they're that way, um, <laughs> uh, they would actually what? recommend a small amount – I'm, I'm sorry if we're grossing you out at home here. This is just the facts that we had to read for this. And if we leave this part of the story out, you're not going to understand why this guy was a loser. A small amount of acid placed on the, the, the woman's clitoris. Oh, stop it. Yeah. Uh. Uh, and it, it would burn that part off and it would remove the sensitivity oh, no. and therefore then she wouldn't be drawn to have the sexual behaviors that she was. So Goddamn Fruit Loops. Yeah. <laughs> well, Should not eating the cornflakes. Yeah, really, it's a circumcisions. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> so, what year would you say this was around? Uh, this is the 1800s. This is the okay. late, the like late, late 1800s, or, yeah. Possibly, or, no, we get in, early a lot 19- of the times on the show, we cover the early 1900s because I'm so fascinated by it because that's the start of the modern world, yeah. if you ask me. Think Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> that's the timeline we're working with here. Tristan <laughs> understands Kahuna. He knows how to speak to him in video games. Exactly. <laughs> nah, because she asked, when, where, are the, where is Child Protective Services and all this? It wasn't until 1912 yeah. when oh, the when Federal th- Children's Bureau was so established. So this is why that was in- invented? Probably. Right. <laughs> they yeah. probably heard shit like this and were like, yeah, no, that's not happening ever yeah. do, you, do you find it funny that Child Protective Services uh, came about around the time of the massive uh, Italian immigrant wave because they're always smacking <laughs> each other? <laughs> <laughs> like, we got to do something about this. What's the matter with you? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, again, this is all found in Dr. Kellogg's own books, his own writing. This isn't a smear job. This is literally his instructions for how to do this. Um, now, before inventing cornflakes and becoming uh, you know, the, the founder of a, a serial empire, uh, Kellogg entered into a legal battle with a former patient of his, the aforementioned by Kahuna, uh, C.W. Post, who owned Post cereals and had a product known as Granula. Okay, granula. So now uh, Kellogg accidentally invents something very similar, and uh, he decides he wants to call it granula as well. And Post goes, "Well, I'm going to have to sue you." So he sends him a cease and desist, and Kellogg goes, "Whatever, I'll call it granola." 
<laughs> so you want to guess who really won in the end on that one? You know what's funny though? When when I was listing some of the cereal brands before, like, oh, you ruined my Fruity Pebbles and Cocoa Puffs and all that shit. Those are under Post. Yep. Yeah, he made the good ones. That's yep. that's kind of nutty. Post made the good one. And now, oh, nutty, you say. That's funny. Uh, peanut butter, created by yeah. George Washington Carver before Kellogg's use of it began. But the sanitarium began using nut-based butters on the regular. <laughs> okay. Nut butter, <laughs> semen retention. I get it, Tristan. Grow up. You're in your 30s, sir. <laughs> Kellogg even wrote to and heard back from Carver, George Washington Carver, the African-American uh, inventor of peanut butter, several times discussing the potential of uh, – we're just going to say it. Nut butter uh, for human health. <laughs> so Kellogg also patented nut butter before many others followed suit. So the next time you eat peanut butter, be sure to thank the Seventh-day Adventist church. Well, actually, he invented the process to make peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, do you know anything else about that? Or? No, I just wrote it down. He invented yeah. the process. <laughs> <laughs> this it's is the Cliff Note version. You know? <laughs> uh, Tristan's notes read like this. It's a bunch of stuff about Kellogg, and then halfway through, it's just, uh, we need cantaloupe, uh, <laughs> eggs, skim milk. The, this this was this was the, the 20 minutes of uh, research. I did after I missed the Lion King last night. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, get this one here, buddy. So another one of Kellogg's methods uh, at the sanitarium, which was very popular. It was like a spa-like place, like you were saying, Kerry. So um, another one of his methods included the use of a mechanical massage chair. Okay, massage. Now, uh, this would use um, uh, different you know, moving parts, mechanical parts, and, like that, and vibrations to massage muscles and vibrators, you know, all sorts of... <laughs> how interesting is it that the guy that's against <laughs> masturbation employs the use of a vibrator? So it's like a, a robot rub and tug. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a Dr. <laughs> Roof thing. <laughs> Again, I'm sorry. We're, we're, not, we're truly actually not being filthy here. We're talking in a biological sense on all this stuff. But uh, now here's the other part where Kellogg gets even more interesting. So when's the last time you had a bowl of Frosted Flakes, Kahuna? That was my favorite. I, Only about I, yeah. five years ago, honestly. Now, the best part about Frosted Flakes is you'd eat the Frosted Flakes, and then you could drink the milk. Yeah. It's like Cocoa Puffs. So that was my favorite part. So uh, Kellogg was big on one particular thing here. His, uh, his favorite Sugar. thing that he regularly used for himself uh, as part of his hydrotherapy was he liked to uh, shoot water. Not, not like a – how do I put this? When's the last time you were at the boardwalk, Harry? Mm, last year, I think. So you know those games with the water pistol and you have to shoot it into the clown's mouth and then yeah. the horse runs across the thing or whatever and then you – okay. And then the last place person winds up winning. Yeah. Now imagine um, imagine one of those guns uh, firing gallons of water. Uh, but instead of a clown's mouth, it's your own butthole. I'm so good. a bidet. Uh, in, in, a enema bidet, <laughs> correct. Now in order to make sure that the water – he would literally shoot gallons of high-pressure water up – his own rectum in order to clean himself out. This is what he believed. Okay. Now, there is some truth to that. I have a bidet at the house. It's quite nice in the summer months. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it gets a little bit goofy here because he liked to finish it off with uh, what he thought was something good for his gut health. Now, here's a weird thing. He's actually – we should have had Cousin Pammy on for this one. She knows all about that stuff with the gut health. She drinks like – what's it? Kombucha? Oh, the kombucha. So, yeah, yeah, the kombucha. Yeah, so yeah, she yeah. drinks a lot of those for, for gut. Now, it's good for your gut flora, they talk about it. Now, this is one of the things where Kellogg is super ahead of the times. Okay, so he really knows his shit on this one, uh, pun intended. Um, but he's really – he's very well aware of what's going on. Now, his theory was that yogurt is good for – it's a probiotic, so it's good for your gut flora. That's why people recommend that stuff and the enzymes in there and everything. So his idea was, well, why eat it when I can just put it right up my butthole myself? 
Well, it's like college what? girls and alcohol. Yeah, you get yogurt enemas. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you hear what Tristan said? What yeah. I said it's like college girls and alcohol. Oh, no. <laughs> Every now and then you'll hear a terrible story of someone who decides to butt chug. But... Um, that's like that South Park episode too, where they thought of, they thought putting food up the butt was the latest thing, and it. everyone was trying. Or the kids sticking tampon soaked in alcohol up there. It's scary stuff. Yeah. Um, Shit, these kids come up with these days. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll probably do that later this afternoon. <laughs> that's just me. Um, so that's now, why you bought that box. He liked to finish and off. Now uh, it's a dirty episode. He liked to finish off uh, his uh, his own hydro enemas with um, some yogurt. Okay. And again, I'm so sorry if you guys are grossed out by this. It's just what this guy was all about. <laughs> so now um, you're getting yogurt shot up your butthole. I mean, it's fun to stay at the YMCA. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kellogg was into some weird stuff, too. Uh, he was very much against, like we said, caffeine. Uh, yeah, go grab another one, please. Um, he was against things like caffeine, tobacco, and alcohol. He found no suitable use for tobacco. He called alcohol the devil's poison. Basically, he's just the fun police. Sort of. It, it's, it, it's very weird that way because then a lot of his training methods and stuff got adopted by a lot of athletes. So it's like if you find the middle ground on all this stuff, you're in pretty good uh, position here. But I found it interesting that he hated alcohol and tobacco as much as he hated coffee and tea. He thought caffeine was bad for you. So... Uh, Kellogg was also beholden to a little cognitive dissonance here. All right, cognitive dissonance. Uh, cogn- ugh, cognitive dissonance. Do you know there what that means, go. Carrie? I do not. Okay, Cahoon, Something do you know what it means, mind. right? Cognitive dissonance. No. Yeah, cognitive dissonance is where you can hold two diametrically opposed ideas at the same time. Okay, so it doesn't follow. So he is, like we said, he had a, uh, adopted a bunch of black children that he raised as his own, right? So pretty good guy that way. It's cool to be. Carrie and I are both adopted. We're grateful that way. Mm. But. Uh, it's kind of crazy here too because not only he's, he's raising these black kids as his foster kids, but he's also the chairman of the Race Betterment Foundation, which believed in eugenics. Okay, and eugenics was the idea that uh, you shouldn't be mixing the races and that the immigrants are you know non-pure and all that other stuff. And uh, it, it was kind of it was a very weird thing. The stuff that was getting studied back then was a lot of the stuff that the Nazis then used as part of their propaganda so to then, create the idea of the Aryan master race. So then how did this kid, how did this dude raise his kids? Where, where was, was he like, listen, boy, you're cool, but you can't, you can't date a white woman? Or will, like, is that how he... Well, would, it, going back to the times, that still would not be, I mean, it, it, it's, it's more common now, but it's still well, more Well, of course, yeah. but it's like, I mean, when you, when, you, when you adopt six black kids at that time, I'm like, how would... That's one of those things where I'm like, how does that work? It gets tough because here was the thing: there was no hatred in him, but he was the he was big on segregation. So it's very. It, I get what you're saying. It's weird because it's complicated. Because we look at them, we're just like, all right, that's evil. That's a terrible way to look at the world. But their thing was like, no, no, no. I want you guys to have everything you have, but you guys do your thing. We're going to do our. But now here's where the dynamic gets weird. He's now adopting black kids. Like he said, it gets it's a very complicated thing. So that's where the cognitive dissonance comes in. So I thought this was interesting too. He presided over the. Race Betterment Foundation that studied eugenics, and uh, he was like I said in favor of uh, you know, segregation. So complicated guy, very complicated guy. Now there are certain things he's behind the times on. We're laughing at him pretty good on a lot of this stuff here today. That's fair to say. Yeah. But unfortunately, he was right about a lot of shit too. So. Um, yeah, he was on the money on a few things. Sorry, I had to burp there. <laughs> no, it's all, it's all good. Yeah, this beer's kicking my ass. That's good. <laughs> Actually, there was one thing I wanted to note before we went on to it. Talk you to you said he hated caffeine, you said? Correct. His buddy, CW Post, freaking also created a caffeine and coffee substitute. 
Uh-oh. that I forgot. I think it was called uh, Postum or something like that. But yeah, he w- he also invented that. So his future <laughs> rival in cereal also invented the coffee. They were uh, they were friendly. Post actually attended Kellogg's funeral. Oh, okay. Yeah, which uh, I was in right now. Uh, get this too. Kellogg lives to be ninety-one. What? Yeah. So uh, he did no, something right. No sex, no alcohol, no tobacco. You can live forever. You ain't gonna have any fun, but you're gonna live. And forever. he didn't eat meat. That's also so true. bacon isn't the key to life as you, much as people you know, thought. I don't know if we go on. I don't know if you if you were bringing this on later, but uh, Talk to me. his brother was a big was an integral part in a lot of what was going on in this part with the cereal with the cereal. So his brother was like, "Oh, I'll help you do all this well, stuff." Well, his younger, well, his younger brother, um, he was, he was, he was working in the broom factory. He became one of the, the one of the youngest salesmen. I think he was like fourteen years old when he was a salesman uh, for the broom factory. He was a very smart kid, very business oriented, um, and he was basically working with his brother on a lot of the stuff that was going on. Um, in, in the cereal business at that time, he was doing a lot of a lot of the sales, a lot of the marketing, uh, you know, and. Oh wow! They, they, they were close, but there was a lot of uh, riffs going on going on there, and I didn't know if you were you were getting into that at all. Uh, well, there's parts of it too because okay, I found this out towards the end. They did have a riff. Do you want to talk about the riff real quick, and I'll talk about the the final little weird thing that happened with them. I blame the fact that John had the better mustache. <laughs> they are good. Now, uh, Carrie just brought it up here too. She showed it to me on her phone while you guys were talking. Um, there's a movie made about his life. Uh, what do you know about the movie, Carrie? I know that it came up on IMDb. <laughs> well, the movie's called The Road to Wellville. And I haven't seen it, but I understand that it goes into a lot of the background stuff we're covering today here, which is cool. Um, now, that being said, the Kellogg brothers kind of fell out of touch here. Now, one of them goes on to create the Kellogg cereal empire, like you were saying, T, right? Yeah, his, uh, I think it's Kevin Kevin Kellogg, I believe, I believe is, 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 his, is his first name. Uh, I believe it's Kevin. Um, but, yeah, so basically... Uh, our Mr. Dr. Harvey uh, Oswald, he didn't. The two things. Harvey that, Oswald. Uh, Harvey Oswald. <laughs> <laughs> he invented cereal, then he killed JFK. Harvey <laughs> Kellogg, excuse me. Um, he was a. He didn't like salt and sugar, so he wouldn't put any of that in his cereal. I know his brother at one point uh, threw some sugar on on his cornflakes, and you know. Frosted flakes. We, we 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 got a winner, so that that was a big uh, that was something that they were not they were not you know they didn't see eye to eye on. Um, I know they did they did not get along at all. Where to the point where the brother opened up his own cereal company, mm-hmm. and it was uh, the KK Kellogg that the, the signature. That's well, he did the signature on the bottom. When you buy a Kellogg's box of cereal, you, when you see you'll the see logo. the signature. That's not Doctor Harvey's signature. That's his brother's signature. Wow. Because okay. it's still under dispute who truly invented, fro- uh, I'm sorry, uh, cornflakes, because uh, everybody says that they were slightly involved with the process. We're like, well, I'm the one who left it out overnight so that it became brittle, and then I'm the one who hit it with a hammer so it flaked. <laughs> and it's kind of a whole crazy thing with that. What I thought was interesting is that towards the end of his life, uh, our boy, uh, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg, he wanted to make up with his brother, right? He, so he reached out to try to repair the, uh, the relationship, and he wrote a letter. And he gave it to his secretary to mail out. And the secretary, because she was meddling, all right, <laughs> read the letter and decided that her boss had belittled himself in the letter. That he wasn't really, you know, because he, he's like, he kind of like got down on both knees and was like, I forgive me, brother, kind of a thing. I want to repair our relationship. And uh, because of that, the secretary decided, well, I'm not going to send this. It makes you look stupid. But she never told him. So he sent this letter to his brother hoping to patch things up, then died. And they never got a chance to patch things up because the secretary was like, no. So, 
Well, also shit, his man. brother was. Uh, I believe that what I believe the letter letter got to got to his brother. That no, was never sent. Oh, I, so what I heard was that it, it was, but he was blind and he never <laughs> he never read it, and his the, the his keeper never read it to him, and then until the, right before his brother's deathbed, which his brother actually died at the age of ninety one. They told him about it. That, that's that's the story that I heard on, on the A and E special. This it's, it's baffling. It's see what happens with the middleman. It's like a game of telephone. There's <laughs> two brothers trying to patch things up here. But uh, now this is the part I thought was interesting here. Like we talked about, Kellogg is fascinating because he's ahead of the times in terms of his gut health. He's behind the times and others. He was able to reconcile his faith because keep in mind this is a religious institute. But you're mixing. There's an unhappy marriage between religion and science. And if you're a religious person. And you're a smart person who happens to be drawn to science like Kellogg obviously was, and he could help a lot of people through science in doing what he deemed to be God's work. It's a rocky relationship at times because then there's the scientists who are going to say, how do you believe in this mystical creature, God? But at the same time, then the, uh, the religious-based people are like, oh, I don't like you doing this devilish science bullshit. So it gets tough. He's catching flack on both sides here. Um, he often clashed with the church elders who questioned his scientific discoveries, but also clashed with the scientists who dismissed the notion of God. I thought this was hilarious. So other scientists are giving him crap for believing in God. And he goes, he goes, oh, well, you don't live a fulfilled life like I do because I believe in God. And then the church elders would be like, oh, well, you know, we're going to dismiss some of your scientific discoveries. But then his ego comes and he goes, excuse me, I'm a wonderful scientist. You don't know what you're talking about, you stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so he's fighting everybody that will come at him. And this rocky road continues here. It uh, keeps getting brought into question and uh, it brings into a very important question about the continued funding of the Battle Creek Sanitarium by the Seventh-day Adventists. How are we going to continue to provide funds for this mainstream kind of a thing that it's turning into? Almost like you said, the Ford Clinic or a, a spa retreat in uh, Norton, Connecticut. You was, know I mean? was this, Norwich, Connecticut. Was this before no. or after it burnt down? Um, well, that's where it gets interesting here. That's a good point you bring up. Because now Ellen White, remember her? The, the lady who was getting all the, uh, the visions in her head who was very close with uh, Mr. Kellogg? Mm-hmm. The creator of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, Ellen White, was increasingly nervous about the popular response the sanitarium was receiving from the secular world, those evil secular world people. She even quoted, God's sword of fire would soon cut down the business-oriented Kellogg. All right, it was going to come by and it was going to take everything down here. So we're sorry if you're hearing the fan rattling in the background. It's just too damn hot in here. So uh, she even quoted that God's sort of fire was going to uh, come down. And this is what's known as the pantheism crisis. So pantheism, polytheism kind of a thing. So a uh, fire broke out of the sanitarium in 1903 at the high water mark of this pantheism crisis. The sanitarium damages were nearly double what they were insured for. So about three hundred dollars to $400,000. Back then, that's got to be millions. You know what I mean? So... Kellogg used the funds that he had acquired from his own book sales, because remember, he's firing out books left and right here, so he's got money, and decides he's going to rebuild the thing. He doesn't realize, because he doesn't consult with Miss Ellen White, that this is against the wishes of Ellen and the church. Kellogg is unaware of their issues with him, goes ahead with the rebuild. They say, well, we don't want to rebuild it. You know, you're bringing too many pop, you know, you're bringing celebrities in here now. It's not really what we're all about. And he doesn't know that. They never tell him, so he goes ahead and rebuilds the thing twice the size this and other issues lead to what is referred to as his disfellowship from the church, which means he gets kicked out of the club. So, Yeah, even with the sanitarium, he just stayed on until it was finished being built. And then he did what every um, northerner old man does and, you know, pulls his ass to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. You hear that, Larry? Tristan insulted you on your own damn show. So... Anyway, uh, he gets disfellowshipped, but I thought it was interesting because he gets kicked out of the club but doesn't start talking shit about the club. He's like, oh, they're great. Oh, Miss Ellen White, she's fantastic. 
I don't think she understood what we really did here, but she's a great person. Seventh-day Adventist Church is really great. I love it all. It's fantastic. Um, so he gets kicked out of it. Uh, it's under his her direction, for the most part, that he gets removed from the church. And he even knows that, so it's even funnier that he's still complimenting her. So it's a little bit of the, the what do you call it, that turn-the-other-cheek stuff from uh, religion care. So Kellogg would unfortunately die in Battle Creek, December 14th, 1943, at age 91. It is thought that due to his steadfast belief in his war against passion, Tristan, that despite having adopted eight children, possibly up to 40 foster children that he cared for, uh, Kellogg died having never consummated his own marriage. Dude, he was the leader of the anti-masturbation movement. Okay? That's all I have to say about this guy. Uh, Now... It should be noted that Tristan and I met each other <laughs> working in Boy Scout camp. Oh, God. Okay. And we had one friend named Dizzy. Okay. And uh, when you lived with Dizzy, it was interesting because Dizzy would, uh, you know, he'd fall asleep at night. And Dizzy's a good guy, really good guy, very outstanding sound engineer. Uh, that's his current job. And uh, a handsome boy, one might say. But I did think it was interesting that he would fall asleep and you would, uh, you know, you'd be falling asleep late at night and you just hear him be like, bark, bark. And then you'd say, yeah? And you're like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. And a couple minutes later, you know, you wait and you go, bark. And then you wouldn't say anything. And then all of a sudden you just hear, <laughs> Oh, bark. my God. <laughs> bark, are you awake? <laughs> so, no, it was interesting that way. But, uh, yeah, he was the head of the Anti-Masturbation League. So when you eat a bowl of cornflakes, all right? And play with yourself. The, now, here's the thing. At the it, same time. If I was doing – if I worked for Post Cereals, uh, like if I was making – like who makes Wheaties? Look that up real quick if you don't mind, Kahuna. No problem. So if I was making another cereal and I found out that the other cereals were made uh, okay. as a threat for future circumcision – my quote would be General Wheaties. Mills. General Mills, right? General so Mills. If I was working for General Mills, I would sit there and I would say, my slogan for Wheaties would be, Wheaties, we won't cut your dick off. <laughs> <laughs> At least not after puberty. <laughs> so uh, I did find everything about this guy was interesting here. His brother does go on to form the Kellogg Food Company, which, by the way, is an estimated $20 billion net worth company to this day. Okay. And uh, T, do you have anything else you want to hit before we uh, wrap it up here? Um, I know he did leave. He did leave uh, some money to his kids. Each each adopted child got a percentage of his. I believe it was sixty six million dollars that bad. he had. Um, and after you know, I, uh, you know, I mean, it's. I mean, this guy basically believes in everything that I do. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Cigarettes, alcohol, drugs, uh, eating meat, masturbating. You did all these in the car on the way down. Yeah, but you know what's odd? Describing how he had conflicting beliefs, you would get along fine. Well, actually, <laughs> you, know, you know what the funny thing is? is um, The one thing about this guy is they all said he was ahead of his times when he was younger, when he was a doctor, when he was at you know, all the, the sanitarium and everything. But then when he was out of the sanitarium, his, his last few years, on, he was considered almost a quack. He 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 was you know everything was outdated everything he was like Burke said he was shunned by the medical you know world because he was considered this old weird guy that believed in you know flushing yourself with water and hey but know. at least his colon was clean right hey he lived to ninety one I mean how you know I, I, he had he had done, he done did something, something right. right yeah <laughs> uh, another famous person who uh, routinely went to the Battle Creek Sanitarium Richard Gear 
that explains a lot. <laughs> you know, I met him I'm one time as a kid. Richard you met Gere? Richard Gere? No, no, what's the uh, no, not Richard Gere? The the guy, the guy with the the furly Jufro with the you know the, the, the gymnastic guy. Richard Simmons, that's the Richard I'm thinking of here. <laughs> there you go. Well, he probably, he probably also would have liked that. Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely water enemas. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, Kellogg was a fascinating guy. I think guy he would have been more into the yogurt one. <laughs> uh, Kara, did you have anything else you want to bring up before we wrap it up? Uh, yeah, if you're ever in Battle Creek, Michigan, you can go to the Dr. Harvey Kellogg uh, Discovery Center. It's a yeah. It, d- it's don't a, sit on anything. <laughs> don't yeah. trust the seats in that place. A little hatch gets removed and a water gun shoots. And they recommend you stay there for an hour and a half. Really? Okay. Yeah. I guess that's the amount of time it takes. But as they do a thorough uh, evaluation. <laughs> and I'm looking at it now. Battle Creek is still standing. They never tore it down. Parts of it, yeah. It's part of the. I believe it's a national uh, historical monument at this point. Well, but well, on the national registry. That, there it is. Thank you. Thank you. I knew there was some sort of verbiage well, to it. Unlike Detroit, it's a part of Michigan that's still standing. Ooh. <laughs> oh, oh, damn. Ooh, not bad. So damn. Um, but hey, guys. That being said, Carrie, I know you were late today, but thank you very much. Sorry. We can't pay you the full amount. Of course, you understand that. <laughs> uh, uh, we have to actually give part of your money to Tristan for the extra hour that we're, we're billing him for. Uh, Cahoons, thanks, buddy. I know we caught you off guard here today. I know you got stuff to do, so we're going to wrap up. No worries. This was a fun episode. I really enjoyed this one. I just want to point out, without that windbag of a father of mine, (laughs) at under an hour. At under an hour. Oh, damn. No, I'm teasing. You know what? I love doing the show with my dad because he he pushes me for the research. Because if he finds something cool that I missed, I feel humiliated when we're talking about it here. Well, well, Kevin. Well, you know. (laughs) Well, Kevin, just for a minute, I want to go ahead and just get, you know, I want to get into this shit that you should have known. 20 minutes later. All right, all right, LP. (laughs) (laughs) No, but uh, he gives me all the info that, uh, and that's what I love about it, too, is that he breaks down. He's the reason I found out about Kellogg, because when we were doing the Warren G. Harding thing, all I read was sanitarium. And I was like, holy shit, this guy got committed. (laughs) And my father then clicks on the sanitarium and then clicks on Kellogg. And then all of a sudden he's you know, watching anti-masturbation videos. And we were just like, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Kev, we got you circumcised, didn't we? <laughs> he's Irish Catholic, though. <laughs> also true. Uh, I don't know what this says about John. Probably nothing. But that movie that you were talking about that's based on him, complete box office bomb. Like, horribly <laughs> bad. $25 million budget made it back about $5 million. Would you want to go see a movie about cereal that stops you from masturbating? Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, Anthony Hopkins plays Kellogg. Does he really? Yeah, yeah. and uh, Matthew Broderick plays, yep, I think, his it. brother. Interesting. Well, you know, in, in, in 20 years, the hipsters will make it into a cult classic. So Direct right. over yeah, yeah, the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Oddly enough, directed by the same guy who would later go on to make uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall. Now, that's interesting. Yeah. So you need to take some acid to enjoy it. As oh, well. of course. <laughs> now, um... No, I do find that funny because a lot of stuff Kellogg believed in that's coming from the Seventh-day Adventist. This is what makes me laugh. Modern people today, a lot of millennials, and I apologize, I'm about to cough. It's all good, man. <laughs> but a lot of his stuff, like, kind of was was right on the money. Well, it stuck around, which made me laugh, too, because uh, you'll sit there and, and the, the millennials will discount the religious aspect of that but then believe everything else. They're so like, oh, well, we, you know, he was right about everything else. They're big on uh, uh, kombuchas and uh, no smoking and a lot of people don't drink. Semen retention is popular. Also, the uh, vegetarian diet. You hear about this all the time. By the way, the, one of the hottest things I've ever had, there was this beautiful girl, and she will never listen to the podcast, so I'm okay to say this. A beautiful girl came to a show of mine one time down in uh, Point Pleasant, and uh, her friend was there to see the headliner because she was a big fan of his, and she just brought her friend along. And so her friend's sitting next to me at the bar after the show across the street, and we're sitting there talking, and uh, I ordered a burger, and uh, I bought her a beer, and we're just sitting there talking or whatever. And I'm uh, about to eat that. I was like, oh, do you want, like, any part of this burger? And she goes, oh, no, I'm okay. 
I was like, oh, cool, cool. And then, uh, you know, I just moved on. And then um, something else, I, I, we kept talking. And about 10, 15 minutes into the conversation, he goes, oh, well, I, I don't really do that. Like, I'm, you know, I try to, like, be a vegan. And I was like, is this what it's like when they don't lead with that information? <laughs> when you find out someone's a vegan? I was like, "This, I love you. You're a fantastic person. I get to find out you're a vegan. Not like, well, I'm a vegan, so, I mean, enjoy your murder burger. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, she was just so cool. And if more people were like that, then you, you wouldn't get a lot of the, the blowback you get on the vegan diet and stuff. Because well, there's a lot of good stuff. To it. Kevin Smith does it. You know, that's how he lost all that uh, weight, right? Oh, yeah. Well, the vegan people that are like that, I mean, they say, oh, well, I'm vegan. I got to, you know, there's nothing here for me to eat. I always make sure I get the 24-ounce porterhouse rare. <laughs> it happens, man. It happens. It's, um, I, I did try an all-meat diet at one time, and I just got to tell you guys, I miss pooping. <laughs> I really do. Let Actually, me- speaking about uh, speaking about pooping, uh, one thing you did miss about him, and this made me think of you know we said about camp. Uh, this made me think of Mr. Uh, Larry DeLong, as uh, with his, his the, the the diet, he was a big believer in that you should have a regular bowel movement after every meal. Which goes back to camp when with he Mr. was a pooping advocate with Mr. D <laughs> cooking. Uh, there was a, a regular bowel movement after every meal. He 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 thought that it you know cleansing the colon and everything that was you well. Know, considering it, he also invented soy milk or developed soy milk, I'm not surprised. Was Mr. D a Kellogg? I believe he was an inventist. Because that was, a, <laughs> I will say this: Mr. D was a Navy chef. He was the chef at the camp Tristan I worked at, and it made me laugh always because uh, he was a World War II chef on the battleship New Jersey. Correct? I believe it was Korea, but yes, it was the New Jersey. So it always made me laugh because uh, uh, Mr. D's camp food could keep you regular, the same way that Navy Chow. When I did my six years, uh, when I, I wasn't on the Carney for all six years, but my time on the USS Carney. That regular Navy chow, that keeps you regular too, buddy. All right? So you eat your meal. The reason they give you an hour for lunch in the Navy <laughs> is because uh, it takes you about 20 minutes to eat and 40 minutes to clear the line for the bathroom. So, But, uh, guys, this is a very fun episode. We're trying to catch up. We want to keep these things regular here. Larry's down in bourbon country with my mother right now, so I didn't want to miss a week. Um, the regular listeners of the episodes, uh, you guys are fantastic. We love you. If you haven't left us a review on iTunes, it really helps us out. Uh Share the links. I try to put them out every Tuesday. We're going back to the Tuesday, Tuesday format. We were talking about moving on to a Patreon thing here, guys, but uh, I'm not feeling it just yet. I don't understand what we're going to do. I want to make sure that I'm offering something to you guys that's actually worth paying for. The show is good, um, but I want to keep the show free as long as I can. So we're going to come up with some more ideas, maybe bonus episodes down the road. I don't know how we're going to do it. We're going to keep tinkering around with it. Uh, Kahuna is uh, involved with this on many levels, so he's been helping me out a lot. Kahuna, thanks for uh, giving us a little bit of time on your Sunday here, buddy. Kerry Burke, thanks for uh, making for half of it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Tristan Vidura, we'll get you back over to uh, your family, your loving family here shortly. And uh, Mike and Ming over to Shared Universe. Thank you guys so much. This has been American Loser. My name's K.P. Burke, and that was Dr. John Harvey Kellogg. An American loser the day I was born. An American loser the day I was born. American loser the day I was born